the walk alive. It was good enough Colton Gary no more about it. But not so much control in the centre of the field from Kilkenny as Richie Bennett sends it high and over the bar. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well, it's Shorty Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Limerick went out there from the world court today. No more about him. They made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel. The fact of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? No sympathy in this game for anybody. Kieran Carey, history makers, record breakers. That's where we find ourselves with this Limerick team. I suppose the day after one of the most dominant All Ireland final displays. I suppose from top to top to tail, really. Um, hard to pick a fault in it, Kieran. I, I'd put it to you that it was faultless. Uh, you know, a team that. That kind of one uh, one pulling up really. Yeah, without a doubt, phenomenal, really. And, and, and I suppose you probably run out of words, really. Uh, that's in the, the English dictionary to probably do them justice. And when you just look at their journey, Cork, Tipperary, Waterford, and Cork again. And if my memory serves me right, the first game was Cork, six or seven points, and you know, blew away the rest of the three opponents along their journey and. I was talking to a lot of guys today and they're making comparisons to Kilkenny in the 90s. And, you know, what Kilkenny did was, was special in around the amount of medals that they won. I think Eddie Brennan might have eight, you know, Sheffield 10. But this particular team, what they're actually doing presently and what they have done is something that we haven't witnessed at all before. So it's special. It's phenomenal. And I suppose we need to be grateful that we're around to witness it because we had it bad long enough Raphael. So thank God it's great to it's great to be viewing it, great seeing it. Yeah, and I noticed you said lucky to be around to witness it. And I think um myself and yourself our, our memories of the twenty twenty final was a, a dark, cold December road trip. Myself and yourself and Luke up to up to Croke Park and an even darker, colder one on the way down home. And so eerie and so quiet to see nobody in Jones's Road and on that December day in twenty twenty. Yet here we are eight months later not albeit not a packed house but to see faces flags cars on the road the bit of buzz around croke park it made a huge difference to it kieran you know win lose or draw to be to, to have some bit of that back it really kind of wet the appetite for what people were missing over the last uh the last few months and over the last year yeah without a doubt and you know if you have to call it accurately and call it kind of straight it's it's the crowd that attending championship matches, whether it's a first round, quarterfinal, semi-final or a final. It's that buzz that actually just adds to the whole occasion. And if the crowd aren't there, as you rightly pointed out, you know, we witnessed it, what it's like, and it isn't the same atmosphere. But even yesterday, even though it was only kind of just above half capacity, it added to the day and added to the occasion hugely. And, you know, anybody who can count themselves extremely lucky, who did get, manage to get a ticket and who, who did manage to be in Crow Park yesterday. And at the end of the day, it was a super combination. But inevitably, it's the crowd attending the matches that really creates the atmosphere for most games. Yeah, and I think as well yesterday, we saw some of the scenes after the game with the... Uh... It was a it was a real family event and family affair and I have to say you know fair play for the stewards sometimes they can get a bit 
over uh overzealous with the with the um overzealous with the with the with the rules and with the regulations and i think yesterday it was it was it was nice to see family on the field it was nice to see children getting their photographs taken i i think kian was there holding holding a, a small uh, Baba aloft as well. So I think, you know, they were the kind of pictures we saw in 2018 that we missed in 2020. And, and, and I suppose, look, you know, I think it was even Garaud said it yesterday that, you know, they celebrated kind of internally amongst the group in 2020, but that this was a huge thing for them personally, for their families to, to have that time yesterday. Without a doubt. And uh, I think I saw Richard English and Pat Ryan even running from <clears throat> one way to the field to the other to meet their, greet their family members. And there was a, one beautiful picture. I think it was Nicky Quaid, Barry Hennessy, and Graham Mulcahy to them together on the Trevor Hall and the infants. So, you know, special memories, historic pictures for the rest of their life. But yeah, Keane's caption there with Holden, uh, Nicole's new little baby. It reminded me nothing, only the Lion King at the very start of it. <laughs> he held up the little cub at the edge of the cliff, and uh, it was beautiful. But as you rightly pointed out, their memories that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And it was great to see little three-year-olds and four-year-olds on there as well. And inevitably, inevitably, what Limerick are doing, what they've achieved in the last four years, unless you have that connection as a squad, as an army, as a family atmosphere, that's, you know, you have to get the kind of fundamentals right. And that's a big one in any squad. You know, you must be an army and you must be a family and there must be connection between the whole squad. And that's pretty evident yesterday. And more so after the game, there when we saw everybody go and meet or greet our families. Yeah, and Kieran, look, you've coached, you've coached the well to, to county titles, and you've coached teams. How how difficult or how important, I suppose, is it to create that sense of family within within a team? I mean, you're you're going to have guys in a team who might not get on with each other. You know, it's it's very it's you know in all walks of life and in all workplaces, there are people that probably won't see eye to eye or that mightn't click, uh, as you say, but. You know, they really have seemed to create this culture, this environment where the team is comes first. The individual is part of that team. Yeah, and to be fair, yeah, and I suppose any manager really are, are, are going to be presented with that, a respective senior, or that could be from senior down to under 14s. And I suppose at 14s, you're trying to get him into good habits early. And I suppose you're trying to kind of build little blocks uh, Harlem will look after itself, but this is about having, having respect, having honesty, and having unconditional love, basically, for your fellow player. And you know, you if you was quite a torty or party, that has to ripple through the whole setup. And when you come at senior level, then you know you will spot it, you will sense it. And the big one there, and I suppose you have to confront it in if it is slightly shaky or if there is an issue. And you need, you need to do that in, in a common sense fashion. It means meet the player for a cup of tea, going for a chat and, you know, going through it nice and simply. You know, this is about the squad. It's about the team. It's not about individuals. And it's inevitably, if you go about your, your business in, in a common sense, in a loving fashion, you know, it tends to work, Raphael. But it's a huge part of any squad that that love is there, that respect is there, that honesty is there, and that genuineness is there for the whole squad. Kieran, just to go back to, I suppose, the, the, the season and, and, and Limerick's journey, I think four matches to get to yesterday's, uh, to, 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 to win Liam McCarthy. But, you know, like we said, beat no slouches, all top class monster sides and, you know, the best of monster sides. But, like, 
I, I go back to that opening game against Cork, and I think it was uh, Liam Sheedy who mentioned it in, 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 in a separate press conference that, you know, people were saying that Limerick beat Cork by eight points, but they weren't very convincing. And he said, like, Jesus, if you told me I'd get a, a, a Munster Championship win over Cork by eight points, you know, I'd take the hand off. You'd be delighted, like. And I think, is, is that the bar that we've kind of judged Limerick by lately, that they can beat a team like Cork by eight points and people are still going, ah, they weren't, you know, they weren't still firing it on cylinders? Yeah, and, and I remember that match well. And and to be fair, and they weren't firing all cylinders. And if my memory serves me right, I think Gerard Hegarty, uh, Tom Morrissey, Seamus Flanning, and, and Aaron Galan. It was the first time that I seen the four of them whipped off together. So there was a small bit of pressure on. But, you know, Limerick being Limerick and as consistent as they have been up to now, you know, they were nice and composed, stuck to the stuck to the system, kept their cool, and inevitably, as I said, won by six or seven points. And and that in itself, you know, and possibly going on about sixty to seventy percent only. So they knew, you know, jumping that fence, basing into a monster final, there was huge scope, huge uh, room for improvement. And to be fair, from the second half Tipperary onwards, away they went. But and I was thinking today, Raphael, you know, and you're thinking of various stages this year. But I think possibly what could have been a huge motivation for these guys. The pain and the hurt that what they felt after the Kilkenny semi final because they knew it was a squad that didn't do themselves justice. I think that probably possibly galvanized them, uh, probably as strong as any other incident that you can pick. But definitely the car game was a start. But from the second half of arms to Tipperary onwards, you know, they appear to be unstoppable. To be fair, looking back on their journey, and, and look, you'll you'll. I suppose speaking to John Coyne and speaking to the players because that question did come up yesterday and I suppose they say they'll, they'll all tell you that they don't look back at it that they don't they don't uh, they don't think about it but I suppose not looking back at it not thinking about it but having learned from the learn the lesson of it are, are two entirely different things you can learn the lesson of it and you can I suppose compartmentalize that hurt and use it as a motivation as a motivating factor without having to think about it all the time yeah, and to be fair, that's where Caroline Kirk comes in. And I'd imagine that's probably the way she might have explained it. But obviously, she would have did it slightly different, I'd imagine. We're only paraphrasing here. And, you know, and it's fairly straightforward. You know, there's nothing that anybody can do about the past. You know, when I do that, it means you're kind of powerless. You're handcuffed. It's gone. It's history. And if there's anything that can be done about it, hopefully it will be a bit educational. And we won't repeat it again going forward. And that's what appears to be the mantra because, you know, they haven't gone near the level of that performance since. And uh, But you can be sure as an inter-county player and as a performer, even though that is the mantra, we don't go back there, you would still feel it. It would be still in the back of the head. It still would be in the heart and soul. And you would use it at that stage in your advantage going forward hugely. Yeah, and I mean, look, we saw what happened against Tipperary. We saw what happened against Waterford. I mean, look, Waterford tried to lay a glove on Limerick in the first quarter. They, you know, they looked like they looked like a spent force after after all the energies that they had put into to kind of staying with Limerick up to that first water break. And you know, we can see with these water breaks now and with the tactical kind of input that happens at them, Limerick just seem to go, they can put together 10 minutes in a match where they can just put teams to bed. 
And it's like as if they can condense their work into those 10 minutes to kind of, you know, get those teams out of reach. You know, they, they, they can amass 110, they can amass 112. And now all of a sudden, a team that might have been chasing a two or three point deficit is now chasing 11 or 12. And I don't know where that kind of comes from, Kieran. It's very, very strange. I've never seen a team like it who can kind of put the pedal to the floor in, in a short space of time and, and get a job done. I mean, yesterday's was was pretty much over after that second quarter. You know, in, in 15 minutes, they had the bones of an All-Ireland final put to bed. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, a, a lot of that uh, credit has to go massively to Paul Kinnerk, to be fair, right? And and I suppose when, when we look at the water breaks, I suppose myself, I'm kind of on one side, I'm saying, right, they're destroying the game, which I believe they are, they're taking the flow. But funny enough, they appear to be a huge advantage to Limerick because they're regrouping and they're settling. And I'd imagine that have certain targets to meet in each quarter. And obviously then, when you pull them together and it's analysed and the system isn't being adhered to because of A, B, C, D, and this is what we need to do, one, two, three. So straight away, it's concentration levels and at it again from the word go. And to be fair, Raphael, they're four years at it, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. And once that goes it's set in the mindset of repetition it becomes then automatically once it's repetition at the start and your hope then is going forward that it comes automatic and that's what appears to be happening and if it isn't automatic it's going to be told in the water break and then automatically then it's like probably spraying a small bit of wd-40 on an old jam of a door there on the hinge and it, it starts to go in very similar in the water break Quick little chat, out you go, and boom, explosive again, usually in the first 10 minutes of every quarter. Yeah, and look, going back to the, to, to, to the game yesterday in Cork, Kieran, um, were Cork were Cork expecting that for Limerick? Did they get caught off guard, or did they not have answers, or, or were they tactically naive? I suppose there's so many questions out there, Kieran, or is it a bit of everything? I suppose if you were sitting down, you know, performing the post-mortem for Cork today, where where is your starting point? Well, the obvious one, the obvious one is uh, tactics. And, I, and, I, and I'm looking at Kyle Hayes. Kyle Hayes was on and off at a ball in the first quarter uh, and in the second quarter. And on each occasion, I was looking down at him. He actually had time to pull the handbrake, stop, tie the lace and go again. No, he had that much time, he had that much space, he had that much grass. And if you're the opposition, you're saying, right, we need to nail Kyle Hayes and we need to be tied, we need to push up with him. So, like, when I'm witnessing that, and I said it to the fellow alongside me, oh, oh, there's something wrong here. This shouldn't be what's happening. And that was fairly earlier on. And it kind of, that was the pattern in Raphael through the whole game. And, okay, the first one you're saying, tactically, they weren't there. And then with a small bit of time, you know, and then I kind of bring back into the fundamentals, you know. You need to have belief when you go to Crow Park, no matter who you're playing, especially in an All-Ireland final, especially the opposition, whether it's Limerick, Galway, Tipperary, Cork. You need to believe you're going to do that. And I fully weren't convinced that Cork, first of all, had that right. There's a good possibility. Now, I worked with Don Grady. He was with Limerick. And, you know, I'd say this is a possibility too. Probably information on the players in a short space of time, the space of three weeks mightn't have enough time to implement what they're what supposed to be implement. I'm saying on one hand, and on the other hand, if you said nothing to Cork in her own tactics and said, oh, you go, lads, enjoy it, say more of the same, you're kind of saying you probably see a better performance. So I'd imagine, Raphael, it's a combination of a good few things, but inevitably, 
inevitably, when you look at the team yesterday, cock it out, I suppose Patrick Corrigan is the only player out of the 15 that you can say, okay, he hurled from the soul, he gave it his all, he wasn't so bad. And after that, then you couldn't pick a whole pile more. Probably not. No, um, it would it would be hard, I suppose, to, to to kind of to pick any real positives for them. And I think one of the one of the in major things that stood out for me yesterday, and I think it was a, an example of, I think Cork got a point to bring the game back to to a point, and it was just before Limerick's uh, second or third goal. I think was it the second yeah. goal, uh, and and I think from the, from. As soon as that ball was going over the bar, Cork crowd were roaring. You know, they closed the gap. Before you knew it, Nicky Quaid had the puck out. And two, without hitting the ground later, the ball was with Seamus Flanagan, found um, Aaron Glenn, and that one-point gap was back out to four. And it was you just felt that those kind of killer instinct minutes or moments that Limerick just had that rootlessness that, you know, that I've never seen from a Limerick team, from any Limerick team before to that level, at least that they were just going for it yesterday. You know, they weren't, they weren't picking off soft, handy points when they saw goal chances, they converted them yesterday. And I I think for a Cork side who were trying to hang on to Limerick's coattails, that must have been soul destroying. Yeah, without a doubt. And you, you use the word there and I actually use that word myself today a few times in various other interviews, you know, I came away from yesterday, and the one word that kept jumping up and jumping at me was the ruthlessness how Limerick went about their performance yesterday. And even when the match was done and dusted and well and truly out, actually they became more ruthless until the final until the final minute. And you know when Cork were even kind of trying at times to come back, you know Limerick weren't having it, they weren't standing for it. And as John Kiley used this word, they stuck to the process till the very end. And uh, that's how ruthless they were yesterday. And signs on Raphael 332. And I suppose, in hindsight, uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't have been a lovely little sound of a fourth party if they managed to achieve that. And, and you know, bottom line is now, I suppose, that's their, that's, that is going to be their next target. When is the day that they're going to hang four goals and 40 points? And I would suggest it isn't too far away. No, and I suppose, look, you're on the for, for Cork. Look, they've had massive success at underage level, or you know, go back the last few months and at the end of the last lockdown as well. But you know, as counties go, we know that converting underage to senior success is not always a straightforward uh pathway, and that it's it's about getting that blend right and it's about kind of bringing in marrying the old with the new and if you look at Limerick it's kind of it sounds a bit ridiculous to be mentioning marrying old with new when you consider the age profile of of, of the likes of Keane of of Garraud of of Kyle um you know on that Limerick side who do you see as being the the the, the kind of the impact guys or the fellas who are kind of maybe sticking their head above the parapet a bit for for you know to to, to kind of get John Kiley's uh, attention in in 2022 yeah, and, and and as the year as the year went on, when you look at our bench, to be fair, you know, and I, and I suppose at the start of the year, I was viewing it slightly different, and it's easy to view it slightly different when you're having the whole pile of games played, and they hadn't at the time. But as the year went on, the bench appeared to get stronger and stronger, and even if the subs, even though the match was gone, take that out of the scenario, every sub they brought on yesterday had a bit of an impact. David Reedy was razor sharp. Any time he got the ball, touch one hand, head up straight away. 
that's an automatic. That's a given in every Limerick player. The head automatically goes up when it's in the hand. So I would be expecting David O'Reilly, Pat Ryan in particular, to two of those guys now. I would be I would be expecting, well, bottom line here is, first of all, when they go back to their clubs, and I suppose there is a massive responsibility also that goes away into County Jersey. When that journey finishes, then you're onto your club. And, you know, the same needs to be given the same level of commitment, the same level of performance needs to be given with their clubs. So I'd be expecting to see David Reedy and Pat Ryan, please God, this time next year, you know, to give a right little push for it. But Raphael, having said that now, right, when you, and I suppose I'm making a comparison here now, okay, and it's slightly different, but if you try to read, read what I'm saying, you get my point. Now, the All-Stars will be coming out in the next few months, okay? And, you know, in my opinion, okay, we got nine last year. I felt possibly we should have got 11. And if you want to be, me to be brutally honest, possibly 13 minimum that we should be getting this year. So that should give you a parameter of our subs bench, mm -hmm. what needs to be done to break into this squad. Yeah, and I think if you look uh, at the Sunday game, team of the year, Owen Murphy, Kilkenny, Sean Finn, Limerick, Connor Prunty, uh, Barry Nash, Kyle Hayes, Declan Hannan, Dermot Burns, Tony Kelly, uh, William O'Donoghue in midfield. Uh, then we have a half-forward line of Jack O'Connor, Kean Lynch, and Tom Morrissey with an inside-forward line of um, Peter Casey, who was superb yesterday, Seamus Flanagan, and at full cost, sorry, corner forward Aaron Galan. So I look hard to argue against uh, against the Limerick inclusions there, Kieran. And and you know if it, it'll be interesting. Like one one guy that I'm looking at, it, you know, nailed on nearly in everybody's predictions is Sean Finn, and what would be a fourth All Star in a row, Kieran. That's an incredible level of consistency when you consider a guy who doesn't seem to pick up injuries, who's hardy, who's just, he's sticky. He, you know, he got beat for the goal yesterday, but didn't knock a star out of him. You know, mentally strong enough to say, all right, grand, give away a goal, next ball, next ball, next ball. And he didn't miss a heart. He didn't miss a beat for the rest of that game. No, he didn't. And, and, and funny enough, you know, and he's been solid all year. But yesterday was his performance of the year, in my opinion, and hasn't hasn't put a foot wrong, defended very well, but probably didn't see as much ball as he usually did. Yeah, an outstanding achievement to get four in a row. And you know, and and looking at the few players, I would be looking at the Arsenal team, and I would be saying, right, what other players have done enough to get onto this squad? And okay, and I look at Jack O'Connor. Okay, I suppose the first twenty minutes against Limerick, he did pretty okay. Only okay the next two games it was taken off yesterday. So I don't know what they're gauging that one. And I would be probably inclined to probably throw on on Cody of Kilkenny, one, probably Kelly. And I think Limerick should get the... I think Dan Morrissey going by the Sunday game is very unlucky. He has been Mr. Consistency. The minute he came on against Tipperary, he's done a super job. And that's nearly three full games. Like, And they're giving young Connor one because of two. So you have to watch everything. But my own honest opinion, you know, you, you, you need to reward a player. You need to reward a squad in, a tar, in accordance to what they have done. Now, what Limerick are after doing this year is special. It's unique. It's historic. And your all-star team should be picked in around that. I know it's always, usually there's always one or two they're talking about. 
I was disappointed last year when they get 11. And I'd be very, very disappointed if they don't get at least 13 this year. Yeah, here's here's hoping for that, Kieran. Um, just a couple of messages in there from the uh, from some of our viewers, and uh, a message in here from Sean O'Tiernig saying, "Colin O'Neill, Colin Coughlin, and then Adam English will also have to come into this squad over the next few years. Good times ahead." These are three names, and we've seen them. I know Adam English looks looks a class player. Colin O'Neill, we've seen what he's done at minor level. And has had some game time this year. Colin Coughlin again, another you know product I think of the, the of, of Bally Brown, uh, if I'm correct, Kieran, you know, your neighbours down the road. And you know these are guys like you don't need a lot every year, but you do need th- two, three, four to be just putting that little bit of pressure on. And I think in these three guys, we've got we've got lads who can have a serious impact, uh, you know, as they're blooded into this team. Yeah, and come here. To be fair, that caller was right. Three exceptional players, and you know, you know, still learning their trade, and possibly, you know, a small bit more to go because there's a huge step up, and the physicality of it, and I suppose Colum Coughlin is probably ahead of a lot of people in around that, and as you rightly point out, got a bit of game time this year. Coughlin Neil likewise should be pushing it, and you know, young English from doing. I saw him in under twenties as well. You know, a very dynamic forward, and you know, as you rightly pointed out, there's three. We mentioned three, there are six, and you always want another another two because outside of the 15 that you start, you want to have five exceptional subs that you can call on at any stage of the day. With the way it's going, possibly the last 15 minutes you want to be used. Yeah, and a message there from Tim Madden saying the Cork half back line went completely missing yesterday. Kieran, was it was it was it was it just the fault of the half back line in particular, or where did you see the major malfunctions? No, it isn't. There were so many of them, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, and, and I suppose their full back line are getting desperate stick. And it, it wasn't the full back line's fault. It was the level of ball that was coming in number one and how easy it was coming in number two and how they were able to pick it off number three. But the, but the biggest one of all is the amount of space Casey had, Flanagan had, Aaron Galanis had. You wouldn't see that under 16 level. Like, and I was convinced that Coleman would be mopping up that and sweeping up that, and he wasn't. So that in itself then manipulated the space so they could get the ball in. So no matter what type of defender you are, if Seamus Flanagan has that space and time running out the ball, irrespective of what number three is there, you know, he's going to be under pressure all day long. Kieran, an interesting one here uh, from, from Paddy O'Donoghue, and it's directed at yourself, and he says, Kieran. What position would you have liked to have played in this current team? Or would you have just been glad to get on the, on, on the starting 15, Kieran? Oh, that's a little question and a little rule to all of one, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, I suppose if I was around in, in the modern game, I'd, I'd actually genuinely, I'd obviously find it extremely comfortable because nine times out of ten, you're on your own when you're on the ball and you're marking them. Whereas in our day, it was... You know, you had to be on someone. You were always marked. And, uh, yeah, listen, it, it, it looks nice. It's all fun gone dead. Wow, we. <laughs> Kieran, I think... <laughs> Uh, I think Kieran just summed up our podcast there by uh, saying that he would uh, love to play. Uh, he didn't nail down a position, but... Um, 
Uh, I think a roaming role is what he uh, indicated anyway. So listen, thanks to everybody for joining us on the podcast this evening. Uh, it's been a half hour of reflection with Kieran on uh, on a super successful day for Limerick uh, Harling and for Limerick GA. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more uh, content on Sporting Limerick. Thanks for joining us. Impression the game, we get all with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go out and get it, no more about it. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound's worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pound's worth of goods, can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well, it's Charlie Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me find out there from the world court today. No more about it. They made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel, the back of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? There's no sympathy in this game for anybody.